We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today, we're going to answer some of your your questions. You you sent along quite a few really good, thoughtful questions. I think that this is something we're going to do a little more frequently. Uh, and we won't be able to get to everyone's today. We're, we're going to get to as many as we can in the time that we have. So... Let's start out. Uh, first question is going to be from No Cap at M Junior twenty four ninety six. Hypothetically, who do you guys think will get legit consistent minutes off of the bench in a series against Phoenix? You first, Mike. Well, okay. So the two guys that should get legit consistent minutes off the bench, period, uh, in any matchup. I'm going to start with Caruso and Kuzma, who I think can can play up. They can play down. They can play multiple positions. They can do multiple things. Um, so that's great. So they're they're sort of plugged in from the start. I think t- tailoring to this specific matchup, you do think of Trez some um, just because of the small second units that Phoenix throws out there. It's either and, and, and not necessarily even small, but just small and sort of unathletic and unable to protect the rim in the form of Frank Kaminsky um, and Dario Saric, who are kind of the two guys that you think of in the front court there now. So, like, I think that he that would be a series where you would see more Trez. Um, and probably a little bit less Marcus Saul, uh, and except Mark, you could have help Drummond with Aiden at times, but Mark, you don't want as much against Kaminsky because it doesn't help you that much. He's going to be sitting on the three point line. Mark doesn't want to do that. And then he, Mark's not going to post up Kaminsky. You don't need to, you know, you can just have LeBron or whoever drive by their man and, and, and go dunk um, on that son's front court. So I would say that would be a little bit less 
Mark, or, or maybe a lot less Mark and more Harrell. And then, you know, I still like Wes Matthews uh, for me as a part of that rotation, especially considering Devin Booker um, and Chris Paul. He can yeah. rotate amongst either one of those guys. I thought he played really well in the game. The Lakers just uh, just won against the Suns. And then, you know, that's where we get into the point of how deep do you want to go? Did THT, Keefe, et cetera. But, uh, but my, my answers would be then Wes and Harrell would be the two guys I would veer more towards than potentially some other matchups. Uh, what do you think, guys? For me, my mind instantly went to Caruso and Wes because the Suns are – their strength is their guards and their perimeter guys. And I want the best defensive perimeter lineups that the Lakers can throw out there. And so that means, sorry, Ben McLemore, um, right? It means, to a certain extent, sorry, THT, right? Um, because I think that you really want to sandwich Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and even to a certain extent, Cameron Payne with Dennis campaign. Casey campaign was so good in that, that yeah, game. Yeah. He's killing us. I was, he's one of those guys that was like a three-year summer league guy. Whenever a guy yeah. gets plays yeah. a third summer league, I'm like, uh oh, he it's might like, not oh, be around for very long. And then he just kicked our ass. The other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's had a nice career resurgence. So, so shout yeah. out to 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 him. I I love a good perseverance story. Right? That's right. But Dennis KCP Caruso and Wes, like, get those guys run. Right. Because those guys can also comfortably guard up a position as well. And so if they get switched on to Mikhail Bridges, right, or they get switched on to Cameron Johnson, you don't feel like they're out of place in those matchups either. Right. And, and so give me more defensive ability on the perimeter in in those matchups. Um, and then I agree with Mike, like I like Trez against the Suns. Um, I also think that A.D. being able to hopefully in the playoffs play more center makes it even so that you won't maybe even need as many minutes from Trez even. Right. Because you could go to A.D. a little bit more there, too. Oh, Pete, just to kick to you with that point, because it's a good one. If you really needed to win a game, again, like and things are really tight against the Suns, then just go, just go to AD at the five, LeBron at the four, and they could like against that second unit and just have them maul, yeah, you know, and destroy. And if they want to try to put Aiden on, that's not going to help much either because AD can do so. That, like that is the difference, right? With that, you can Pete, you can just attack them athletically. Absolutely, and it's funny you brought that up—that idea of having to win because uh, I. I asked these out of order, of course, because we're probably going to be in the playing game. And a couple of people asked about the the stakes, right? Do you start Drummond, pick up hoop? Great. If you're not following him as a as a Laker fan, follow pick up hoop. Do you start Drummond in that circumstance? Do you go to something that you already know works in a play-in game scenario, which is essentially for us the equivalent of being up three to two in a seven-game series with the next two games being at home? So you're in good shape. Like we're, you'd rather be that position than, than the other position, but you're getting close. It's starting to, you know, if you lose this game, it's a winner take all right after that. That's an interesting question. Like Mike, I don't know how you feel, but the Lakers were up three games to two in the bubble against the Miami heat. And Vogel said, yeah, guess what? We're winning this game. Right. And he is like, we're starting AC. We're going smaller. AD's playing center. He's matching up against Bam. And 
we're going to go win the championship. Now, obviously, playing game NBA championship on the line, those stakes are not the same, right? But I'd be very interested to see how seriously Vogel took that first game for the play-in game and how much of it was, hey, this is a one-time opponent. I'm throwing the kitchen sink at you. I think that in this specific season, I don't think that Frank Vogel is going to go to the AD at the five playing to start the playing game to, in the mm-hmm. first half, maybe in the second half, you know, maybe depending on mm-hmm. how things go. Yeah. But I think that especially against, so Memphis is huge, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with Valencia Yunus at the five, mm-hmm. and that's not mm-hmm. the type of matchup. I think that typically uh, AD and he's, he's huge in the fact that he is the opposite of like an eight and where he is going to use every single ounce um, of his size and his strength on you. And so you do, I think, want to match up with him. I might trust Marcus All a little bit more in that setting uh, against against Jonas specifically than Drummond. But Drummond could could bang with him fine. Um, and then you know, again, it maybe in the second half, uh, if that lineup isn't working out well anyway, then you like that's always the club in the bag that Vogel can break out um, against the Warriors. I, I think you could certainly get away. Now, I get away is the wrong term, right? Because it's your advantage. But I think I th- I do think that that matchup could work as well. Um, but my just knowing the way that Vogel likes to go in these kind of situations and in the way this season has been, I don't think that he would break that out. But uh, it's an interesting thought. So you think like straightforward Dennis, KCP, LeBron, AD, Drummond would be the more likely, yeah. most likely starting lineup. I yeah. I agree. I think that that's the most likely. I would probably start that lineup against Memphis as well. But if we're against Golden State, I'm going the one lineup that we saw enough of where I was like, oh, yeah, this lineup's going to kick ass in the playoffs when we need it was the three guards and then LeBron and AD. Right. And so that's Dennis, AC, KCP and those two guys. The Warriors are without Wiseman. They don't have much size. You've got the problem of having to defend Steph. And he's really the guy who's attention you need to give to we can survive their wings they're a team where i I go to that lineup from jump ball and see if they can beat it for me personally if golden state is going to start looney i'm fine starting drummond and i stick ad on on draymond green because draymond Mm -hmm. and steph are basically tethered and Mm -hmm. i want my best perimeter big man defender guarding draymond green and if i start like you could always put LeBron on Looney, right? But I would much rather have LeBron guard maybe someone else, right? To start the game, have Drummond try to work the backboards against a smaller Looney, potentially get him in foul trouble and mirror Draymond's positioning as an offensive player with AD's positioning, like mirror them basically oh draymond's at the five okay ad you're at the five draymond's at the four all right ad you're at the four and i wouldn't and then i try to pick on whoever they have playing center right if it's not draymond with the Lakers' size at that point to bully them in a way because even though i think steph can take advantage of those guys in pick and roll i think it's harder for steph to get all of that same symmetry if AD is the one who's defending Draymond. But I think that that can go in different directions too. The, the Lakers pounded the Warriors this season. 
Uh, no, of course, there was the game where Golden State came back from a 14-point deficit in the fourth quarter, but that was just because the Lakers parked the car. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it, it happens sometimes. But they like, – so, uh, Pete, the, I, there's one distinction I just want to draw between a one-game play-in and a series in which Vogel eventually, right, went to Caruso in game six. Like, you – if you do, if you start with something different in the first quarter um, and it doesn't work – in that situation, I, I don't know. It seems more risky to me than to start the way that you've at least been playing some or at least what guys are expecting coming in. And sure. then you can always go to right that Davis lineup. And you could play Davis, you know, 43 minutes in that game and have him play the majority at the five if you need to, you know. So but I, I just to start the game and, and there, repeat. But to kick the question back to you, though, like they they are going to want us trap. They're going to want to play what you like, like the trap and recover and like they're going to trap staff. They're going to rotate around. So that does speak to your point a little bit about being smaller. Right. Well, but also that's the strength of Drummond. And that's part of why I, I'm i going to be so sad if we go this whole season without seeing what this team's capable of. Like if we saw and to some to some extent, that ship has already sailed. But Drummond's ability on the ball at his size on his traps is very unusual. His ability to blitz and those quick hands and put pressure up there. And then you got LeBron and AD on the back line with Caruso and all them. I've been salivating about this possibility for a while. So in some ways against a team like Golden State, against a team like Portland, Dame, Steph, you could say this even about Kyrie to some extent, although they would be a, a different animal with all of the other guys that they have as scorers. But the teams where we, it makes sense to blitz their guards, Drummond's a really unique player because he can do that on the ball with your screen setters and can totally punish you by getting offensive boards and just being a big dude around the basket on the other end. So I I don't necessarily think that if we're going to be aggressive in that sense, your point is well made. There are multiple reasons to start the guys that you've been starting, that you've had to have some familiarity with up until this point. And then if that doesn't work, you can always change. But even those starters have there's reasons for that to work. And I think that we're especially built to beat those types of teams. All right. Uh, next question. Let's go on the lighthearted side. This is a good, this is a good question from Yaya Josh at ease up. What's been your favorite moment of this season? Not a lot has gone right, but I imagine there are some things that really stand out as a positive. Why don't you go Pete? I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. <sighs> Damn. I was hoping I would go last. Um, this is going to take a moment because it's it. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to I've I've really enjoyed Dennis Schroeder's game and just kind of the way he's built and his approach to the season. He provides some of that nastiness that Rondo had that I've missed. It's funny how in retrospect, Rondo and after that, that playoff run, it's like, yeah, that, I, I, I see what I, I see where I was wrong. And sure. some of the areas where I was wrong. And I'm going to try to not undervalue those things in the future. That's part of getting better. And and so Dennis brings some of that. He's also got a sense of urgency to him that I've really enjoyed in a season where we've always been looking ahead. He really the, – the defining moment of the season to me was probably – him figuring out his turnover issues. I know that's a super nerdy thing to say is like, what's your favorite moment of the season? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> <That's classic. laughs> well, but because it's kind of like this triumph, it's this, it's, th- I love it. Because, it's, it's on brand. Yeah. Cause 
it was something where I had just assumed like Dennis Schroeder is just going to continue to turn the ball over. Like they say, going away. They say going away. I had already resigned myself to the reality that like this is part of Dennis Schroeder is your number one option of your offense. And so in terms of stretch of the season, that stretch without LeBron and AD, that road trip where they played kick-ass defense and where they held it down, they were only a game or two under 500 without both guys. This is before AD came back. That's probably my my favorite stretch of the season because – I thought a lot of guys stepped up. So it's a tough question for a defending champion because when you win the previous season, there's nothing that's going to happen in that regular season except for winning the title that's going to feel like a good moment. It's just right. especially like you said when about you're, expectations, right? Yeah. Like there's so, nothing that can yeah. So it's a tough and it also makes it a good question. I'm not saying I'm not like rejecting the premise or anything. I would say that since the Lakers clearly have adopted the Hold on, like we're we're gonna get it together. Like we the the best moments are definitely saved for the playoffs. Like that is when they are going to be at their best. But if I have to pick a moment from the regular season, I'll go super recently, and it will be Anthony Davis destroying the Phoenix Suns. You know, yeah. forty two points, twelve rebounds, three blocks, three assi- uh, three blocks, three steals, five assists, and him. And this kind of leads into the bigger point is that that's the guy that we had to see in order to make the big picture possible. So that, that'll be my moment if I got to pull one up. All right. So I have three. Mike, you just stole one. AD sort of reemergence, right, as just being that dude um, is, is definitely up, up there. Pete, you mentioned Dennis. Um, and so one of my moments is a Dennis moment. It's that moment where he sprawled out Superman. chasing that loose ball and Superman for, and dove multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of exemplified, I think, the spirit that he's played with this season, which I think is, is captured in a lot of the points that, that you made about him, that, that sort of nastiness and that competitive fire. And my other one is the win against the Nets. Like, the Lakers were sort of down on their luck, man. They were down so many guys and... They were really trying to hold it down without their their top guys. And I had written off a lot of those games as just, these are going to be losses, man. They're playing good teams. They're going to go out there and they're going to get there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our butts kicked. And they showed as a group I thought a certain amount of of just that heart 
that you expect from a championship team, but this was not that championship team. That's not that championship core, right? And and so to sort of go out there and win on the road in Brooklyn and in, I think, a meaningful game. It, it won't tell us much about what the postseason is going to be or what those teams will look like in, in a matchup. But just from a feel-good moment, I thought that was like a really great game. So those would be my three. Good stuff, guys. Let's take a quick break and we'll keep uh, answering the questions. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, this one comes from my guy, the pettiest Laker fan at underscore who gonna stop me with two E's at the end. What is the biggest weakness within this year's roster going into the playoffs that could potentially prevent the Lakers from repeating as champions? I'll take this one. So I think it's a tie between some of the, will the shooting show up? I think this team has capable shooters. Um, I think any of them are capable of getting hot over an extended period. Um, but they're also streaky guys, right? And if, if look, man, if Ku shoots 40% and KCP shoots 45% and, and Wes is in that 40 to 45% range, like the Lakers can, I don't want to say cruise, but their offense goes up so many levels that they'll be unrecognizable to the team that they are now. You add in maybe a hot, two-week stretch from from Keith, and this team won't just be cooking with fire. They'll be cooking with, you know, lava, right? Um, but they could also go cold. And the shooting is, if not a, a worry to me, it's on the radar to me as something that, if that, like, that could easily go wrong. And if it does, the Lakers are going to be trying to dig their way out of some holes, Right. Um, the other thing to me is just in general, some of the decision making that happens outside of LeBron and and AD. They're going to be relying on on some guys that have not quite been tested at this level as decision makers. And in the playoffs where every possession matters and teams are zeroing in and game planning you to sort of steer you towards your weaknesses, I think um, something like decision making can be exploited in in a way that that can be tough um over the course of of a seven game series what say you guys though 
I'm going to go with the clock. Uh, just the, the the weakness for the Lakers heading into this season was going to the finals last year and having 71 days. I think we've already seen what the struggles have been resulting from that. Uh, some of it injury-related, some of it motivation-related, some of it focus-related, all of those things that was were, were always going to be an issue and have. I don't think there's, a, there's one on the roster that I would pull out – in comparison to any of the other teams, I think the Lakers have the, the best roster um, and the best players at the top, the best role players around them. So uh, so that doesn't mean they don't have any concerns. It's not a perfect roster. But to me, it's always been about just staying healthy, staying motivated and uh, and trying to find the balance there in this completely unique pandemic season. Yeah, it's health and time, like you said. In terms of roster deficiencies, shooting is one of those things. We can, we're a little short on the wing. Uh, that's why a team like the Clippers concern me a little bit in that Alex Cruz is a wonderful defender, but they've got three guys that just shoot over the top of him whenever he's on them. And and so we've got some guys that that play that, that two-guard, small forward type of minutes that – are a little on the short side, but by and large, this is a really complete roster. I've been raving about the quality of it all year. Just they haven't had time to get together. Uh, someone else, Matt, asked if there's if we feel any sense of grieving that this team never got that chance to put yeah. it all together. And yeah, it's like yes, definitely feel that. But that if I'm looking for one roster deficiency and concern, it's kind of our size between Dennis and KCP and even Caruso where there are these defenders that we rely upon that are not particularly big relative to their position. And that's a real, that's a, a real nitpick. So I know Mike is always talking about, you're about to stand up for Alex's sinewy muscles. I can feel it. No, 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 no. I, I'm just, the, sh- the thing that I don't have the same concern about the shooting and I, it always bugs me a little bit when not, I don't know if we need to get into the Darius, uh, you know, the Darius scale. I think we'll save that for later. The Darius displeasure sure. scale, but I, it's like you can't complain about the shooting and then also praise the defense and two-way ability. Like if you're complaining about the shooting on this team, who are you really complaining about? Like KCP um, is a good shooter, you know, and, and the starting lineup, like Schroeder is not great, but are you going to get a point guard that's going to come in that's also going to be able to like fit into that slot, defend, you know, have heart and energy? Who is the guy that there, there, there isn't, that he's not there. LeBron is not the greatest three-point shooter in the world, but he's LeBron. So, like, if you – sure, you could have, uh, like, Duncan Robinson on your team and then your, in, your shooting might be better, but then you would have a huge hole defensively. So, I don't know. I just – I feel like it's it's always something you have to – you have to – you have to, like, of course. consider both sides. And, Darius, you were not doing this. I'm just saying that's – like, this no. critique of the Lakers as a shooting team, I'm like, okay, part of the reason is that they're not just a pure shooting team is by design. Because uh, they've got these guys that are, can shoot some, but they're two-way players. Yeah, and I think that the roster construction was purposeful in skewing towards defense, right? Like, and I think that they they've tried to rectify that a little bit with Ben McLemore. And guess what? On the last pod, when we talked about guys who maybe should or should not play in a playoff rotation, Ben wasn't even one of the first twelve or thirteen names that we named. Right. And yeah, I think a part point. of that comes that's comes down to that's defense. Shooting. Yeah, that's yes. shooting, but he's not getting on the floor. Yeah. And like, I'm not, and, you can shoot. And you don't yeah. hear me advocating for Ben to play more. Right. Even though shooting might be one of my concerns. It's 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 because like I'm so much happier 
when this team is getting after you defensively. It, it's like, but when you get into the playoffs, the margin for error naturally goes down and down and down. And and I wouldn't call their shooting a roster deficiency. I would call it more that if all other things being super close between very top teams, right? That a, a rough three or four game stretch from one or more of the guys who you rely on to hit those shots could be problematic. And the Lakers shooters are just streaky enough yeah. that, that it yeah. gives me pause there. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the next question. Comes from Daniel Ravid at Daniel Ravid one. Do you think there's any possibility that Schroeder returns to the six-man role that some of us expected when he was signed? When push comes to shove, I want as many LeBron and AC minutes together as possible and would love to see AC get the chance to continue to start. I'll let you go, Mike. Yeah, I – all right. So Caruso started game six last year, and we mentioned that quite a few times on the podcast this year. But it was to get AD at the five. And so bringing in an extra guard is one thing, but I don't think Vogel was going to start him over, you know, KCP and Danny Green. I think there, there's a certain amount that like just for for multiple reasons that KCP and Schroeder like that, that to me is not something that you disrupt um, with another guard. Because as great as as much as we all love Caruso, there, there are some things that Schroeder does that he doesn't do and Schroeder still defends. So I just... Like, it's hard to ask me a question about Caruso in which I'm not going to want to say um, pro Caruso about. Yeah. But I like I like the way that he slotted. I would reserve Caruso for if you decided you were going to have AD at the five, then he might be the guy that I, that I would put in. And I don't know, depending on the matchup, does that make you a little bit smaller with Dennis? Then, well, probably not. You're probably still fine in that situation. So I would tend to say no on that one. But here's the here's the beauty of this Lakers team. If they did that, would they still win? Yes. They'd be just fine. Like they could start that way. Dennis could come off the bench. It just Dennis does not want to do that as much. Caruso is totally cool either way. So you may as well lean in towards that. I, I think even aside from that, just for basketball reasons, LeBron, Dennis's ability to beat switches has been really helpful for us this year. And I think that that gets accentuated in a circumstance where LeBron won't be 100% on his ankle. And we talked in the last pod, I, I was I mentioned that we need somebody who can puncture the defense. And so if LeBron was full, fully healthy and, and the version that we'd expect him to be, you don't have to twist my arm too hard to maximize AC and LeBron minutes. I just think that the time to do it is that beginning of the second quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter stretches. I think you're that we'll see a ton of LeBron, AC. That's usually when AD usually plays all or most of the first quarter. And then LeBron will start off the second and, and fourth and lead a bench unit. That's the time to really maximize those minutes. I'd love to see Mark there too. I think that those three guys on the court together would just kick the crap out of everyone. Yeah, I mean, if the question is, what do we want to see versus what do we think we'll see? What I think we'll sure. see is, is no, there's not going to be a change, right? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. There's basketball reasons that are on the court. There are like future prospects reasons that have to do with team building over the course of the next three to four years. And I think that there are legitimate reasons to say like, yeah, Caruso can be super helpful, but still not help in the ways that you maybe want 
within the starting lineup next to this this group. And I would imagine that if Caruso starts zero games during the playoffs, but that he will definitely close way more than zero games, right? Which I think is maybe most important when it comes to optimizing those LeBron and AC minutes. So I would say that instead. This one comes from Sean Davis at Lake Show. Oh, n- nice handle. Uh, With the 17th banner raised, which championship do you look back on as your favorite? For me, in all honesty, the most recent might be mine because just of its time and place. During the pandemic, while I'm stuck at home and out of work, being able to watch every game was amazing. What about you guys? Mike, you don't go back as uh, having Laker rooting interest quite as long as Darius and I do. Uh, But uh, but you've already been through a few yourself. Well, so mine, right. So I've, I've been, I've been very fortunate to be there for three of them and I have to go with the first one for me. Now I think I might, I'll probably, I might be the only person in the world that would take the Lakers win over Orlando, right. As their their favorite (laughs) uh, championship. I mean, I don't need to speak on this pod uh, to the history. Uh, I think everybody knows what that is of the other championships. And I don't think this was the best championship. It just was my favorite. So sure. if this, if this is a personalized question, I can give you a little more on that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I would, please, I'll please. but just, so I was, that was my first year. They, uh, it was, it was Kobe's first year as that. And like coming through as the leader, as the 24, as the guy whose imprint was all over the roster, as the guy that brought Pau Gasol along, that brought Lamar Odom along. Um, Fish was there as his lieutenant, um, who had seen it before, but they, they brought, you know, the bench mob uh, with Jordan Farmer and Shannon Brown and, and Sasha Vujicic and the whole crew, Josh Powell. Super fun team. It was just like, it was, I really liked those guys and I, I enjoyed the, uh, like, it was a response to, getting beat down in that final game against Boston. They didn't get to play against Boston. So that revenge came um, the next year, but that was more of like just a relief when they won. Uh, just imagine that I, I can imagine Pete's heart rate um, and Darius's heart rate in game that seven. Against the Celtics. Years off my life. I, I wrote mean, an article real. about just like how stressful that it was bad. Dude, the, you walk, walking into the arena. It was just the, oh, your God. whole body. I imagine. It, it was just in like up until the final, you know, it was really, so that was insane. It wasn't like, enjoyable even like after the game, I didn't <laughs> even go into the locker room. Um, like I might've been and do the champagne thing. I just went and waited at the press conference table and was like frantically typing, just trying to get thoughts down. Like it, it just was a lot, but the Orlando one was like the ride, you know? And then we were in the team hotel yeah. and there was the party and, and the aforementioned Josh Powell is pouring champagne on my head. Uh, and like, you know, and now this is going to be this is where it gets into the the part of this that's also kind of sad and emotional, like Kobe there with his daughters. Right. Like that kind of memory and getting to see that and how special that was. But man, um, that so that. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stop there. But that to me was for just my own personal, most enjoyable uh, Lakers championship. Look, I love all my kids the same. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. So I'm not going to choose favorites between my kids, my Lakers championship kids. But I will say that the 2010 title was super gratifying to me. It was the revenge title. It was beating Boston. It was being down 3-2 going home, not up 3-2, down 3-2 and sort of needing to have that reserve in you. And 2019-20 team will always have like a special place in my heart. For me, though, I would probably say the 87 title 
over the Celtics, the title where magic sort of, that was my era. Like I was a kid then, but the idea of beating the Celtics and sort of the rubber match between magic and bird and that sort of fight for supremacy on who is, who is the guy Right yeah. of and who was the team of, of that, that era as well, and yep. And, yep. and and who was like that team to me, like Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Byron, AC, um, Cooper, right? Like those dudes. For a dude who grew up when we grew up, Pete, those dudes will always be the dudes to me, right? Like Kobe and Shaq and all those dudes. Like oh, man, those guys are my guys right those guys are my guys but those showtime boys the boys that taught me to love the game yeah chick hearn at the mic yeah. like those i put those guys up just like if it's a hair above right if i'm handing out ice cream all right well you can get the first scoop sure right, right? <laughs> everyone right. gets ice cream but but you could get the first scoop so I, I'm with you on my, I love all my kids all the same <laughs> yes. mentality. And 2020 is in a different tier for me too, because the, the team hired me out of nowhere yeah. as well, right? So it's just not, I mean, talk about a childhood dream come true, just beyond imagination. So I put that in its own place. But strictly speaking as a fan, I'm going to go in a di- totally different direction. 2001, man. Oh, yeah. Watching, watching your squad beat the hell out of every rival you had that era. This is, you got to be of a certain age to remember, remember this. And the nature of like talking shit to friends and family and coworkers about basketball has changed so much with Twitter and social media and all of that. But you still had it back in the day and you still knew people that would rock the Rashid Wallace jersey and the Tim Duncan. I, I, I'm still having the Tim Duncan argument on, on Twitter. You can see me, uh, you know, recently. Anyway, this was, it was this, the same dynamic existed, just different platforms. So we beat in a row in the West, Portland. Remember the year before we had gone to seven with Portland, we were down 15 at the end of the third quarter. Right. In the Western Conference Finals. In the Western Conference Finals after not being able to get over the hump for years. So that was, you talk about nerve wracking, game seven of 2001 Western Conference Finals, right behind game seven of the 2010 Finals in terms of just being stressful and relieving. And at least at the end of that, you had the, the big dunk, the lob from Kobe to Shaq that was that we knew we won the game by that point and everyone's going nuts. You at least had that release. You didn't have that in 2010. I digress. So we just beaten them in a very hard, hard fought series that we almost blew. We were up three, one and we smoked them in the first round. I think it ended with a Robert Ory corner three in game three to, to pull it out. And then, um, in the second round, I think we have the Spurs, or do we have the Kings hit? Or my, was it? I, I forget the order, but it was the Kings, it the was Blazers. The Kings. I think yeah. it was the Kings. Right. That, oh, that's right. That's the great game four. Kobe goes for 48 and 16. Yes. And, and then San Antonio. San Antonio was the team that had won in 99. 
and they hadn't gotten there. I think Duncan was hurt during the 2000 playoffs. So it was similar to that 2009 year with KG, right? Boston wins it in 2008. KG gets hurt and everyone, oh, you know, you they didn't have Kevin Garnett. The Celtics will be back. That's part of the satisfaction of 2010, yes. right, is in beating them. It, it Because the title the year before was delegitimized, as they often do, right? Let me just, just verse, the, verse the Spurs there. Uh, so Kobe, 33 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, one and a half steals, almost oh, he a did. block. Uh, Shaq, 27-13. Yeah, two and a half assists, 1.3 blocks. What did Derek Fisher sh- What did Derek Fisher shoot from three in that series? D-Fish was... Oh! 15 for 20? From three? <laughs> 75 percent from three-point range. Bro, oh, snap. We- dude, I got to bring that up next time. Uh, oh, you know, damn it. He's doing... Now that he's doing Sparks, he's not going to be on the pregame show, I don't think, for a while. That sucks. Okay, I was going to... I didn't. I didn't Next know time you get, I didn't know fish. Yeah, I didn't know he did. He shot fifteen for twenty. Bro, fish was <laughs> unbelievable, and just in those whole playoffs, his his yeah. So that series, it was the satisfaction of seeing your team play their best and beat the crap out of all. Like, imagine if we had a playoff run where we swept. Like who are our biggest rivals, right? So obviously the Celtics. We sweep. We sweep, sweep the Celtics. The Clippers. The, the Spurs, I get, you know, which we did with the Spurs. I don't even know. Everyone, we're a rival for everybody else. We got like one rival in the whole in the whole NBA. Anyway, that that was so that brought out my inner petty in a way that I, I don't think will ever be matched. The thing about that run that I will always remember Pete is Petty Pete. And, That's right. And I wrote about this when when he passed because it will always be it will be the quintessential Kobe games for me. More than the 60-point finale, more than more than the 81-point game, more than 62, Kobe 62, Mav 61, more than any of that. It was the Lakers did not have home court advantage that year in the Western Conference Finals against the Spurs because mm-hmm. it was very much a it's year where year. they had mm-hmm. come off of a championship and did not really – take the games as seriously that entire season. So they were, I think, the third seed that year, second or third I seed. So. I, think but, I think three. So they they sweep Sacramento, but because they have home court advantage in that series, they the last two games are on the road. And so you just mentioned Kobe's stats that punctuated that series in the game four game, Mike. But Kobe was also crazy in the game three, also mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. So there's four straight road games, Western Conference semis, Western Com- Conference finals. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And Kobe destroyed, yes, absolutely destroyed Sacramento and San Antonio over the course mm-hmm. of four straight road games. He stuck the dagger in Sacramento's heart to close out the series. And then he stabbed San Antonio in the heart to start that series and set the tone for how, how the Lakers were just going to romp them. And that was, that was the birth for me of Kobe, the road killer where you Mm. saw that commercial later Mm. on in his career, Mm -hmm. right? Like near the end where he's sort of doing the orchestra thing and he's Mm -hmm. on the road and all those road fans in different jerseys are sort of singing the song and Kobe is orchestrating them, right? Mm -hmm. To like hit the high, high notes. And that is sort of that Mm. along with the Indiana game 
Yeah. In Where Shaq fouled in, out. Yeah. Yes, in game six or game five, the 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 previous year. But those were the origin stories of Kobe mm-hmm. the road killer. And yeah. I will never forget sort of just the exaltation that I felt watching this dude so young on the road during that 2001 series or run towards the finals and then for the champ championship, just how great he was as, as a road player. And and so I'm glad you brought up that 2001 team PP because they were, they were something else. They were were something else, else, man. Mike, when you get a chance, talk to D fish about, about that run and that series, he was just unbelievable. And those were back. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I need to hear all about it. Um, this was super fun. Thank you, everyone, for the great questions. This was a lot of fun. We're going to do this more. We didn't get to nearly as many as I, I would have hoped. So we're going to do this more frequently. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for getting us reminiscing. Uh, it, that's always fun to do. So, all right, everybody have a good weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block. An NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it. Brian. Unbelievable. Go to victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.